<laughs> you wait on me. <laughs> Don't mind me. I'm just texting the person that I went on a date on. Which? With. Date with. <laughs> which lines up well with the, for our chat today. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so welcome back to I'm the Villain. Uh, today, I'm really excited to be talking about what we're going to be talking about because it's a thing that Isabel and I, uh, probably the most unique thing that we share with each other, but uh, something that we haven't talked about yet. We're going to be talking about both of us being non-monogamous. Ooh. Oh, tattoo. shit. And, <laughs> <laughs> and I think it's something that we haven't talked about yet because we just so completely and aggressively agree with each other well also we've like talked about it so much that it's almost like old news now for both of us yeah and it feels like obviously like yeah it feels old news to you and i because we're living this and also all of our friends know we're living this exactly now it's just like duh like get with it now monogamy is the new thing so i'm sure that a lot of our friends are gonna listen to this episode and be like this is this one was boring. So here's kind of a funny thing. My mom like listens to this podcast religiously right. because she's like my she's mom, your mom, right? And she was like, "Oh, so like I thought you were you told me that like DeAndre had a girlfriend. Like, what do you mean he like went on a date last week? Uh-huh. You know?" And I was like, "Oh, well, DeAndre's Polly, you know." Yeah. And, and she knows you're Polly, right? Well. She knows that I'm in an open relationship, but she didn't understand the distinction between poly and open, you know? Yeah. Like, well, when I, when I say open, I think most, I assume that most people assume that it just means open sexually. And if it's open romantically, people would say poly. Do you feel like that's what people assume? Yes. I feel like, and maybe this is a good place to start because I feel like there are so many different definitions of like non-monogamy that like I opt often for just saying that I'm non-monogamous with this person Mm -hmm. because yes, I do think that open like sends a connotation of like sex. Right. We can have sex with other people. Right. I think that polyamory often sends different, like I think one of two different vibes, the first of which is uh, like more emotional love centric. But the second of which is like, like I feel like people hear polyamorous and they think that like, more than two people all dating each other, like a family kind of situation, mm-hmm. like a triad, like a triad. Yeah. Well, okay, so because I, I, I think that's how like Polly made its break into like the mainstream. Like I remember there being a TLC show about people that uh, all dated each other. Yeah. yeah. Well, okay, so Polly, you can. Okay, so here's the, here's the the part where um, I think it's very like there's very specific terms, right? So polyamorous is is I think an easy one because amor is like love, right? You can love different people, yeah. right? Amor. But po- like monogamous is a different root, right? So like the the opposite or like the the equivalent of polyamorous in the like monogamous it's is poly- po- yeah, polygamous. Which is, which is literally like dating multiple or married to multiple people, is that what that means? Well, there's also another word which is polygynous. Which is another, which I think refers to the marriage one, but I'm not a hundred percent sure. Right. Wait, do you want to look it up? Polygamous. What? 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 What specifically polygamous means? Yeah. Because I think it's marriage, but I'm not a hundred percent sure. 
Like, yeah. Polygamy. I think it's, I think it's just uh, sex because it's like gammy and like sex is kind of a like. The practice or custom of having more than one wife or husband at a time. So oh, it so does, it is marriage. So it does. Yes. While as polyamory is officially the practice of engaging in multiple sexual relationships with the consent of all people involved. So what? Oh, so it, polyamory so that, so that, actually so is So that sex. is what we're doing. Well, it says multiple sexual relationships. So I guess. So it's actually, so actually polyamorous is is not about romance in particular. It doesn't seem like it. Although I think that's just like, it does seem like that's like the, the connotation around it, but not literally. Monogamy is the practice or state of being married to one person at a time or the practice or state of having a sexual relationship with only one partner. And then is there anything else? Polygynous? So polygynous is P-O-L-Y-G-Y-N. Oh, so this is specifically polygamy in which a man has more than one wife. Oh, okay. Whereas polyg- polyamorous seems to be like for both uh, both genders or both sexes. Okay. Well, the analogy I think would be polygamy as opposed to polygyny. Yeah, 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 so yeah. polygamy is yeah, a woman could have multiple husbands. Yeah, and polygyny is uh, only a just husband a, can just have a husband. multiple wives. So like sister wives is like polygynous. Well, so the reason I, the term the the first time I encountered the word polygyny was with respect to the Middle East because um, this was actually one of like the weirder articles in my poli sci classes that there was this article about how like you know how in Islam yeah. there's this thing about the seventy two virgins. Yes. Yeah. So apparently, like, if you are a martyr, basically, like, you kill yourself for, like, the holy, like, the jihad, yeah. then you kind of go to heaven and you get these 72 virgins, right? Yeah. And one of the anti-terrorism tactics that people have been using in the Middle East is creating these, quote-unquote, love funds, right? Because part of the issue, they think, with why there's so many terrorists is because there's all these unwed young men. Those are the, That's the demographic that's most likely to be a terrorist, right? And the theory goes that if you're married, you are, like, some huge percentage less likely to sacrifice your life for terrorism, right? Damn. Yeah. And so the way that they're trying to combat that is that, like, a lot of these young because they're a polygynous society, all the rich men basically buy it because you have to pay a bride yeah, price. You like buy all they the buy wives. up all the wives. And so then there's the reason why there's so many unmarried young men is because they're all poor and there's like no wives left. Damn. So the the whole anti-terrorism effort is to create this fund to help them pay the bride price so they can like have a wife and then not be a terrorist. Yeah. So that's that's kind of the it's weird yeah, like that's insane. Yeah. Yeah. But also it makes a lot of sense. It makes a lot of sense. And it's like, I think a crazy example of if you actually understand the culture, you can come up with so many like nonviolent actual like solutions to terrorism. Right. Right. Yeah. Like like that's a whole other (laughs) story. That's a whole fucking different story. (laughs) Right. Yeah. So I think that, um, I think that the reason I I lean towards like non-monogamy is because it is purposefully ambiguous. And recently I've heard the phrase like ethical non-monogamy, which I, I fuck with. You do? I do fuck with, yeah. Oh, okay. I feel like a lot of people have issues with it because it implies that there's like a non... Well, I mean, obviously there like is. there is. It's but like, people. That's but it's it like, it's just like very, kind of weird to say, oh. I think that like, what, to me at least what it implies is like, I am non-monogamous and if I go on a date with you, because I've seen this on like a lot of dating apps specifically, 
like if I go on a date with you, like my partner will know, you will know about my, about my partner. Like there's not going to be any kind of shadiness around that. I think that like just saying non-monogamous should imply all of that. Yeah, I do think that you should just be able to assume that if someone identifies as non-monogamous, yeah, then and it actually, is like they're not. Just and for the purpose of like my my bio reading, well, I don't say non-monogamous. I say I just say poly. Yeah. And put a period after it because I'm trendy. Okay. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but I think that uh, polyamory is I don't want to say confusing for people, but like people often have so many questions about it. I think because it's so flexible and open and like there's a lot of room for people to define how they want that to look in their lives. Whereas like there are like a societally accepted set of rules for monogamy. Not only rules, but like basically a script. There's the rules around like not cheating and stuff, but then there's also the script of like getting married, having kids and a dog. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And so a lot of the questions I'll get will be like, do you like, what what are like, what are the rules like? Do you all like, is it like a sex thing or is it like an emotional thing? And I think that it would be interesting for both of us to talk about like the ways in which we are non-monogamous because I think that you and I actually are, are doing this a little differently yeah. in our relationships. Yeah. So basically like uh, we, part of what we want to do for this episode is kind of lay the framework for one thing that like a lot of people have been like people who know us who've yeah. been listening to the podcast have basically been like, oh, like it's weird that you have this very distinctive thing about you that you haven't talked about yeah. yet. This right? really is the way I think that specifically you and I are the villain, quote unquote, the most so. Yeah. I think this is like how in like our everyday lives we are like actively challenging the status quo. Right, right, right. So I am just in an open relationship in the sense that I'm not poly. I'm just in an open sexual relationship. So I have like one romantic relationship. I have a boyfriend of like four and a half years and we're totally cool with each other having sex with other people. So that's 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 what I mean when I say that I'm in an open relationship. And we opened our relationship at like maybe a year in. Oh yeah, you didn't start like that, which is really interesting how did you come to that decision yeah so um we basically when like we, we overlapped for one year um when I was in college so we, that's how we met each other is we met each other in college so when I you know graduated we were then going to be long distance right because I moved to DC um got a job in DC and basically we were both kind of like okay well I I felt like I don't want to like limit you while you're in college, right? Like you're still, he had, he had three more years. Yeah. He was still out there. Right. Exactly. Actually, no, at that point he had two more years. Like I didn't realize he was so much younger than us. Yeah. Um, when we started dating, he was right at the end of his freshman year and I was right at the end of my junior year. And so basically I was just like, I mean, I feel like you should be able to like live your college life, you know? Yeah. And I also, it was also motivated by the fact that I had watched this one video that was a very um, foundational video for me. It's called On Romanticism by Elaine de Baton. And <laughs> Which I think is probably the third time you've mentioned this on the podcast. I know. I, I literally talk about this. There's two pieces of media that I talk about like just all the time. It's the Sapiens book and it's this one, you know, YouTube video on yeah. romanticism. And it is a school of life video. Uh-huh. Uh, that's like the channel. And they, they, what's funny is they also have a very similar premise to kind of like this whole podcast premise is that everyone's like living life wrong. Here's why you're going to marry the wrong person, <laughs> like type of <laughs> thing. Right. Yeah. Like here's how to actually be happy type of whatever. Right. And like all the reasons which our society is making it harder for us to live our lives well and get our priorities straight. Right. So 
he had this let me just like just like you can i'll link the video but i'll just like give the main thesis in like a couple sentences so like in like recent history like is what like romanticism hasn't always been a thing right and romanticism meaning this narrative of you fall in love and marry and your one true love and that's like what romance is right before you know you would marry for economic reasons you know like your the family that you were marrying into like had some goats like romance is is actually a pretty new concept exactly it's a pragmatic it used to be a very pragmatic thing or political thing or economic thing and in a lot of countries it still is actually right like in in china my mom was actually just talking to me about this today like in china they have basically these get-togethers where parents just get together and you know compare their kids bios and match them off their kids exactly exactly and that's totally how it works yeah and i mean arranged marriages are like still a thing in india totally and like even you know a lot of i think a lot in the the whole chinese thing doesn't really fly for americanized chinese people but i still know indian people here who are americanized who like whose parents are still soliciting bio resumes oh yeah for sure i also have a friend that's that way and he has like thought about it because he's like tried dating in the American spheres and it hasn't worked out for him. Oh really? So he prefers that actually. No, no. Well, he, he thought about like letting his mom submit his bio, you know, for, for being arranged because yeah. So his parents were in an arranged marriage with each other, you know, like sort of like the, the idea of like they made it work even if they, you know, weren't, wouldn't have chosen each other naturally. Like they, came together and like raised a family and like made it work and there's value in that. Yeah. So like now we have this very like fantasy, I think like narrative that's perpetuated in almost every single movie, book, yeah. whatever, right? Yeah. In any piece of media, yeah. right? It's, it's like horse shit. Yeah. And it's like, especially because the way he describes it is really funny, right? It's like, he was like, yeah, the romantics like really kind of had their moment and age of like trains. A lot of it is like, you know, you'd be, you'd be riding on a train and then you would just see someone like maybe even just the, an ankle, like yeah, <laughs> beside right. their jaw. And oh then you would God. know, right? Yeah. Right. <laughs> like you'd like, they'd pull off their glove. Yeah. <laughs> like shake your hand and you feel the skin on their hand and then you're like, holy fuck. Yeah, exactly. And this like, you don't, you know nothing about their personality, you know, nothing about like their background or how compatible they are with you. And like, you just like, it's just, just this magical, unexp- right. inexplicable moment. Another thing he points out about it is that very rarely in those like romantic novels, do you ever hear anything about the practical, like who's doing the laundry, who's picking up the kids, right? Right. Yeah. It's not something that is ever an issue because it's in not the classic romantic, romantic narrative. Like, that's not romantic, right? right? Like, living a life with someone and like every day is not like at least what society considers to be romantic. I think that there's a really strong movement, especially within millennials. Like, yo, I just want someone to go to Trader Joe's with. Yeah. You know, like <laughs> I, think, I think people do start, are starting to romanticize that because people are not realizing that like that's the kind of shit that actually makes up your life and makes a bond with someone special. Mm-hmm. But that, yeah, that isn't what society, like, deems as as the romantic part. Right, right. And so, like, they basically have to be everything for you. They have to be your best friend. They have to be the best sex partner. They have to be your therapist. They have to be a good co-parent. They have to be a good accountant. Yeah. You know, they have to have all their ducks in order, right? And that's a super, super high expectation to have for any person. Expectation. Yeah, I, 
I forget which episode of This American Life it was that I'm thinking about. And my friend, actually the same one that I just referenced, um, is like yelling at the the phone right now if he's listening. But there's this episode of This American Life where a person comes on and they're like, yo, look, you are lucky if you can find someone that knows 60% of you, mm-hmm. you know, because most people don't even know 100% of themselves. So this idea of sort of finding one person that's supposed to know you as good or some people say like my partner knows me better than I know myself right like this idea of one person roaming around lurking in the world that will just know you in and out but in all actuality you know it's hard to be with someone for a long time because they will never actually be you right they can learn as much as they can about you but that's still only the way that you're presenting externally and what you decide to share and that's still a very, very curated version of who you are. There's this statistic that I've read recently, which is super wild, which is that on like personality tests, right, that you like do for yourself and then like, you know, have, have your, they have like your spouse do it. They have your friends do it. They have like all the people who like all these various people who know you do it. And Facebook, if they just like use basically data from the things that you've liked on Facebook. It takes a certain number of likes to be able to, for them to get it right. But all they need is 10 likes for them to be able to do the personality test more accurately than your coworker. And it takes 300 likes for them to be able to do that personality test on you better than your spouse. Yeah. Which is like, which is like Facebook basically out of this world. Yeah. Right. Like, (laughs) And like, yeah, it's this idea that even your spouse, the person that's the closest to you can never know you as well as like your actions or your patterns show. And the the part of that, I think the romantic narrative is that they shouldn't even need to talk to you and immediately that they're going to know your deepest inner yeah, self. Rom- right? Romance does not have like room for communication. Right, right. Exactly. There's like, like there's in like this like romanticized idea of like what a relationship is there's no communication about issues because there aren't any issues and like the second you realize that they're flawed then you're like oh no maybe this person is not my soulmate we have to just trash this whole thing right right and like then you end up and like basically his whole like this and didn't end up being two sentences but like his whole argument is that that understanding of romantic relationships is actively bad for the way you relate to your romantic partner right and, and I think that I agree with that. Totally. Actually, I definitely agree with that. Yeah. And that is like the alternative that he poses, right? Is that like you should be able to kind of put your eggs in different baskets, right? And so I very much, that was a big motivator behind me opening up my relationship is being like, I don't, I feel like it is unreasonable for me to ask you to be all of these things. Yeah. Right. So like, you don't have to be my best friend. You don't have to be my like one sex partner. You don't have to be like, I I can have other people as part of my support system where I can get all like you, you have this basic set of human needs. You don't need to always get it from this one person. Right. So, uh, prior to you and your partner opening it up, had you thought about non-monogamy as an option for you? No, I was literally, I only ever thought of it because of this video. (laughs) (laughs) And I think that this is the way that, like, you specifically are an alien. Is that, like, (laughs) I think most people see something on a YouTube video or, like, on, you know, an article on Facebook or whatever it might be that moves them. And then just, like, leave it. (laughs) You know? 
they're, they're like they're like oh that sounds cool like I should do, like oh like but they never like actually like like operationalize it right mm-hmm. and I think that like you definitely do yeah right? <laughs> I think that most people and I have absolutely no evidence to back up this statement but I feel like most people that end up being non-monogamous do so because of like more feelsy shit that's what happened with me and I guess I can like like now tell like my like non-monogamous story wait hold on i want to say one more thing before you start your story sure so basically elaine de Breton lays out this alternative right which is like the greek notion of the romantic friendship of virtue right it's from aristotle i, uh-huh. I think he's greek um <laughs> but yeah he's greek yeah and his whole notion is that there is no notion that your partner will be this perfect person. There is every expectation that this person will be flawed. However, it is your job, mutually, both of you's job, to actively help that person be a better person, right? And you yeah. are on this like journey together of continuous self-improvement. And, you know, this notion of like, you know, people getting in fights as like, you know, romantic partners being like, oh, like, are you lecturing me? Like, yeah, that's the point. Like you are yes, trying like to I help this person. Yeah. 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 Be a better person. So that's, that's kind of like the way that we like to frame our relationship at this point. So. Got it. Yeah. Real quick. Um, before I go into this, I think that like, I've always been curious of this or curious about this, but like never asked because I keep on, keep on forgetting. But like, given that you think the way that you do, why are you and your partner only open sexually and not like in like in a more emotional way? I think that I would be open to being polyamorous, yeah. but it's just because he's not comfortable being polyamorous. So we're not in a polyamorous relationship. Got it. Yeah. Cool. Um, yeah. So yeah, my story is like a lot longer and more dramatic than Isabel's <laughs> because like I went through like a really, really, really shitty breakup. Like, break up, not break up, you know, because her and I were never, like, literally dating. But, like, I did a thing with, like, my best friend at the time. And it felt in almost every way like the fairy tale, like, idea of romance from every piece of media that I'd ever consumed. Her and I had been friends for a long time, maybe four or five years. And we had never seen each other in that way, you know, we, and it was like one night and it clicked and all of a sudden we were like, you know, the, 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 the lenses changed in reality. She like, I was living in New Orleans she came and visited me and we had just like a magical weekend. Right. And like her and I were both like pretty different. We hadn't seen each other in like a couple months and whatever. So uh we do a thing for two months and it doesn't work out for reasons like for reasons that were pretty circumstantial like you were in two two different places yeah we were in like two very different places in our lives which i now know is a very like legit reason but also you were physically in different places yes right but yeah but i think that more so it was the first one that like we were in different stages of life Mm -hmm. like she was still in college you know yeah and like fresh out of a long relationship there's something about falling for your best friend that makes it go really fast. We like smashed once. And then from there, it was like I was on a roller coaster and I was just a passenger. And it was pretty unhealthy in that like we were pretty dependent upon each other, whatever. But long story short is I didn't work out. And it crushed me because like this was the thing. Like this was the quintessential fairy tale story that's supposed to work out. Like the story that was sold to me since I was a kid fall in love with your best friend it feels right like it it never like it felt so right in my gut like this idea of a gut right 
it didn't work out because of something as sort of small. I shouldn't say small, but it felt small in the moment as we're in two different places in life, you know, like that's just timing. And that for me, I just couldn't stop thinking about like how I thought this person was like the right, like if there was a person, one person, this would have been the person. And I just went down this rabbit hole of like, if love is so fragile that something as like minuscule as like timing can break it, then like, what is it? And I just like, like pillars just kept falling. Like is love, if love isn't the end all be all, then what is it? Like if love isn't this unbreakable thing that I should be chasing, then like, what is it? Like if love is whatever, whatever, whatever. And so it finally came to like the most basic question of like, why do I think that I can only be with one person? Yeah. Like, why do I think that romance is only something that you can share for one per- with, one, with one person? Well, why didn't you guys just kind of wait if it was a timing issue? Because that's not really, I don't think that's a good way to live your life and neither did mm-hmm. she. Mm-hmm. Okay. You know? Like I had just gotten to DC and she was in her last year of school. So like doing the college thing like you were talking about. Yeah. And she was not ready to be like tied down to anyone. And I really wanted to be, I wanted like really wanted a quintessential relationship. Like I wanted the storybook thing, you know? And it really, and it, and it bothered me because she actually wanted to be non-monogamous and it bothered me that she did. Yeah. And when we broke up, I really, really started analyzing like, why does this bother me so much? Yeah. You know? And I think it might've been as something as superficial as like maybe, you know, in when like in breakup brain, it's like, maybe if I'm non-monogamous, like she'll decide that she wants to be with me, you know? It might like, it might like the seed of the idea might have been that, but it quickly morphed into like why am i living my life this way right and then i very conveniently matched with someone on tinder that was polly <laughs> and her and i like and this person spoiler alert is my current partner still um her and i talked a lot like via text before we even ever met up about what being polly had meant to her and i think the biggest thing that made me want to give it a shot is that i was so 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 heartbroken coming off of this weird breakup thing and I wanted to be dating and out there and be seeing people, but I didn't want to hide this part of myself that was heartbroken. Right. And there's, there's not really space for that within monogamy, at least not quite like not in the way it's packaged and sold to you. Like I'm sure that there are people that are like listening to this right now and are saying things like, damn, like if I met someone and they were still, hung up on someone else like I would go on dates with them like I could I would still like work with them through that but I think that like the very nature of monogamy and it's like kind of possessiveness is would make people worried that if they started dating someone and that person obviously still had feelings for an ex and was trying to get over that 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 person wasn't completely committed quote-unquote to them so by the nature of this person that I had matched with on tinder being poly I was like, yo, like her and I can like work on something, try and build something whilst also me being able to live in this truth of mine that I was just really fucking sad about this breakup because I had really strong feelings for this person. I do think that a lot of the ways that my partner framed non-monogamy are the ways that I think about it now, which makes sense because they're my introduction. But I do think that that those ways are like what's most comfortable for me. And so we think about it as you meet someone and we don't feel limited in the way that we can include them in our lives 
in whatever way makes the most sense to us. Does that make sense? Yeah. And that's like inclusive of like romance or sex or whatever. So that sort of response is the, is the answer that I give to a lot of people when they ask, like, what are your rules? Or like, is it a sex thing or is it an r- emotional thing? And for us, it's just a whatever thing. Right. But I guess maybe we should go into sort of why we think like being non-monogamous is just, like, just a better model. So I'm curious why your partner, like, so you, you and your partner, like, you consider each other to be primaries, right? I think that if you asked her, she would say yes. And I think that for me, it's like de facto yes. Like, she certainly is the most important romantic figure that I have in my life by far. And just like functionally, if someone else came up, there's no way that that person would all of a sudden, like, mean that mean that other person would have a stronger or like as strong of a connection as my partner and I, you know? Right. I don't know. I don't know if we've made express rules on primacy. There have been periods where we've been both like dating other people and have made it clear that like, yes, we're good. Like we will carve out this much time for each other a week, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess that is a form of primacy. Right. So yeah, I'll go ahead and say, yeah. Yeah. Because I think one thing that is, is very safe and kind of conventional about my relationship is that we definitely have that primacy, right, for each other. For sure. And that's something that I think a lot of people, when they think of romance, they really strongly, like, if you think about just, like, what is love and, like, how does how do you distinguish a romantic partner from someone who's not a romantic partner and is just, like, friends with benefits or just, like, a good friend, Yeah. right? I think that primacy is one of those really big things, yeah, I think that it seems like, for me at least, the only thing that separates a really, really good friend from a romantic partner is primacy and sex. Right. So, but there's definitely like, so that's why I ask about primacy is because there's definitely polyamorous people that don't really even believe in having that primacy because they think that if I have another partner, it's unfair to them, right? To have them be the, like, quote unquote, like the secondary, right? I, I think that I agree with that. And that's why I said, like, kind of de facto. Right. Like, functionally, my partner is definitely my primary partner. Right. And even when I was dating someone that wasn't her, she definitely, like I made sure to, to carve out at least, you know, two to two and a half to three days a week with her. Right. Because that's just something that I wanted for us and for our lives. Right. When I like sort of talk to monogamous people about this, they're like, well, look, there's only one Valentine's Day. There's only one New Year's. That's right? true. How do you navigate that, right? Because you've been in situations where you've actually had like secondaries yes. before, right? Yeah, and during like, like during life events, like a birthday or something like that, you know? Yeah. But like, is that something that they were cool with? Because I do feel like most people when looking for a romantic partner are not looking to be a secondary. I've only ever dated one person. I'd say, like, I don't like using the word like serious versus casual, but like seriously, right. whilst my, uh, my current partner and I were dating. But this person I dated for five months, and she said that she was cool with it. It was her first time. Being uh, poly at all? Yeah. Or yeah, just being, being in a relationship? Being non-monogamous. Okay. So there was definitely like a lot of like on the spot communicating and like feeling things out. And she said that she was like cool with respecting sort of what my other partner and I had. But if I had to wager, and it's funny because like she literally might be listening to this because she still follows me and all the socials. I think that the reason, because she ended up pretty abruptly in a, in a pretty wonky way, and I think part of the reason was because she didn't want to be secondary. Yeah. 
you know, which I do think is a fair thing. Yeah, I think that's like a pretty big, just logistical hurdle to being poly. And that's the, and I'm glad that you said logistics because to me, the only fair critique of a polyamorous lifestyle is logistics based. Yeah. Every other thing is ridiculous (laughs) to me. (laughs) Yeah. And I think that before we get into like logistics side, I do think that I want to like talk about some of like the more like ridiculous defenses that we, that or I don't want to say defenses because I don't I don't want to think of this as like a battle. Defenses of monogamy. Is yeah, defenses saying? of monogamy. Yeah. It seems like a lot of people really do think that there is some sort of value add to this idea of like making it work with one person, like working at it with one person. Mm-hmm. As opposed to what though? You know, like when someone says that to me, I don't understand how that value gets lessened if you're like making it work with two people instead of one. Well, I think also a lot of that kind of uh, the context around those arguments also comes from people also having this frame of reference of like you're going to get married and have kids, right? Yes. And that's that a is a big frame of reference. Another logistic thing. All the soft, squishy stuff. Like, mm-hmm. like if you're going to sit here and tell me that you don't think that a human being can love more than one person, then I'm just going to tell you that you're wrong. Here's what I say when people give me that argument. Do you think that you're you can like a parent can love their children like unconditionally and right. like infinitely? Right. Can they have two kids and love them both that way? <laughs> <laughs> Same thing, dude. Like, <laughs> like Same fucking thing. I mean, I don't see very many people being like, oh, you should only have one child. Right. Right. <laughs> so the second most or this actually might be the number one thing is someone says, Oh, that's really cool. I'm just like too jealous. I can I can never do it. Mm-hmm. You know? And to that I would say that everyone thinks that and that I thought that before I started doing it. But to me, that just translates to now, like I'm jealous and don't care enough to untangle what that actually means about me. What? Like when someone says, I'm too jealous of a person to be able to do that. To me, that translates as like, I'm jealous and I don't want to untangle what that means about me and my relationship with, with romance and, and monogamy. Well, what do you think it does imply about a person? I think that... So I want to be really clear in that not the presence of jealousy because I still get jealous. My partner still gets jealous, right? But I think that the idea of you letting that stand in the way of like maybe living a lifestyle that's just better Mm -hmm. really like just comes from a place of being afraid of not having like sort of a pseudo security of having one partner. Just really, really buying into this idea of like looking at your partner almost as if like they're like kind of property. Yeah, well, I think... Like, literally from a purely biological perspective, the purpose of having those feelings is, like, evolutionary, right? Yeah. Because you want, like, from an evolutionary perspective to be able to ensure that, like, you know, the child is, like, actually this person's child, right? And so you don't want them to necessarily... Sure. I think specifically from a female perspective, and and because and the reason for that is because you want them to protect your offspring as opposed to some other woman's offspring. So I don't think that that is... I don't think that there's, like... I don't think anyone doesn't go through jealousy. Absolutely. That's like, it's a human emotion, but I think the difference is that you just have to work through it. Yeah. Like it's not a stopping point. I think for a lot of people, they view jealousy as a stopping point in their relationship, you know? Okay. So what is that word for the opposite of jealousy where you actually feel positively for your partner when they have, what is that word? I also forgot. I also know that word. and forgot it. I think it starts with a C or maybe a P. Compersion. Compersion. That's it. That's exactly what the word is. 
Compersion. So like everyone experiences jealousy, but also there's this word for that people who are in the non-monogamous community use for being able to actually feel really positive for your partner having positive sexual experiences or romantic experiences with other people, which is compersion. And it's a phenomenon that you kind of have to teach yourself because I don't think it comes naturally. Yeah. I mean, it also has the connotation of like sexually, like literally like getting off on your partner, having sex with other people right. and the thought of that. Which isn't what it is for me. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, but I do think that there's definitely people who are just more, it comes more naturally, right? Yeah, to yeah, be able for sure. to have those types of yeah. feelings. Right? I find that like, the less like for me that comes very easily yeah i find like the less ingratiated you are into like societal norms the easier it comes to you like i feel like a lot of like a lot of queer people are probably right because they are already going against societal norms just by like you know existing right which is dope you know pushing the envelope even farther is like nothing and i think specifically with respect to sex because a lot of people i think when i talk to them about being open they think that Uh, they're sort of like they feel like sex is so important to me and they're like oh like how is this like so important that you would need to like go and have sex i had to do do a lot of work around untangling love and sex and and honestly it's something that i think is actually the complete opposite of what you would assume you know for you know speaking to monogamous people like how is it that sex is so important to you that you would let that like that one thing like your partner having sex with other people make or break your relationship when you have so many other good things going for you presumably in that relationship right Right. for me it's just like i don't want to have ownership over his body and like that's totally fine and like once you get over that like one hurdle of like just like the the social stuff it's totally it's like literally totally fine yeah (laughs) Yeah, like like I said this prior, I said this previously. Every other reason that isn't logistics based is just societal bullshit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you can it's, get over that. Like you can no just problem. get over it. You can yep. just think about it really hard and get over it. And I know it does. Like to people listening, it might sound like that's a cop out, but that's literally just what I did. And yeah. it, it's a process, right? It's not. It wasn't a switch. And even when uh, my girl was dating someone. And I was alone on a Friday night by myself and she was on a date with her other partner and I was feeling a little like jealous and sad. I was like, you know what? I get to play video games, you know? And like, and it's just like, it's just like trying to like push through that and like and there's also going sp- to that second yeah. order of thinking and like, yeah, ever since Han Yu came on this podcast and started talking about like first and second order thoughts, I like have been like really thinking about that Yeah, and like, <laughs> it's almost always a good idea to push to that second order. Right. Well, and there's also tactics that people use, especially, yeah. right? Like, you know, if you're about to go on a date with someone else, like sitting down for like 20 minutes and just cuddling and being very firming and being like, Hey, like, I really love you. Like, you know, yeah. you're about to, you know, have this like, yeah. you know, nice, like, and me and me and my partner have those tactics too. Exactly. But I also think so. Like, you know, we're, we're espousing all of these, like, you know, here are all the things that, you know, like you can get over in order to have all these great benefits. But I think we should talk a little bit about what the benefits are are yeah so i think for me man i just feel like so much more comfortable in the sense that i was definitely a serial monogamous before i got into my current relationship my first one lasted for four years my second relationship was a year and a half and all the time in between where i was single i was like dying to be in a relationship like i always wanted it you know yeah and it's something that's super valid because there's so many things that you can get out of a romantic relationship, like physical intimacy, I think, for men especially. Oh, yeah. That you just can't get otherwise. Yeah, for sure. And so... And that's something that, like, is a basic human need. <laughs> I agree. 
by nature of like being in a really really long relationship i you know went through periods of boredom i went through periods where like for example i started school i started college and i was with a long-term partner that i'd had made in high school and i was meeting new people and like people that you know were different from the people that i was used to interacting and i, I like formed crushes on a lot of the people that i met you know like if like if you were like one of my best girlfriends in high school then like i probably had a crush on you at some point mm-hmm. you know we can like unpack that later in a different episode about why <laughs> <laughs> about why that was for me but <laughs> but, but the point is that I, I always felt really really bad like internally i felt like i was being a bad boyfriend if i had those kinds of feelings for somebody else you know and i never acted on any of it like i never cheated on my first girlfriend but you know, it was something that, like, I, I would say that I thought about it at least, like, once, twice, maybe even more than that a day. Like, damn, like, I'm interacting with this woman here at school. Like, am I, like, and I think she's, like, really cool. I kind of like her. Like, am I cheating on my girlfriend right now? You know? Mm. That's, I feel like that's extreme. Yeah, but, like, that's the, I think those are the kinds of things that are, like, I don't want to say taught, but at least not directly addressed when it comes to monogamy. Yeah. Right? Like, because we're not really given the language to talk about like jealousy openly with a with right because it's our, just automatically assumed oh well you're a bad it's person taboo, right it's taboo to like t- to talk or think about anyone else uh, of your desire of your desired gender gender especially to your partner like that was like that's just like kind of out of the question especially in that like in a very immature relationship like i was in so kind of in that vein it feels like an internal freedom like when i'm walking down the street when I'm at a club, when I'm at a party, or if I'm just meeting a friend of a friend, I don't have to automatically slot them into the never this box, right? Or I don't have to like put them. I can like, I have a freedom to put them wherever I want to put them or wherever it makes most sense to put them. And then like, just like sex is dope and maximizing that is like just generally a good way to go. And it's just wild to me, the notion that you can like be married to someone for 50 years and like, that's who you're just that's who you're having sex with for that whole time, right? Like that. It's, it's just there's no way that anyone's a, anyone is just a hundred percent sexually satisfied doing that. No, there's no way. There's no way. There's no way. <laughs> you're like you are lying to yourself. <laughs> you're lying, and like that's like, and so intrinsic, I think, in non-monogamy is this idea of recognizing that your partner is not a perfect person, mm-hmm. right? And I think that a lot of monogamous people will say, "Well, I know that my partner isn't perfect." But I but think that's that, like the beauty of loving them anyway. Yeah, and flaws, all that whatever. bullshit. Yeah. But I think that polyamory takes takes the next step and says, I know my partner isn't perfect, so I can feel free to look for other aspects that might that I might need to, you know, fit my lifestyle or my needs and other people. I also think that the script, like not having a script, I think that the script of monogamy can be really limiting. Extremely right? limiting. And I do think that there's so many things that you just don't even question because you're following the script that right. you then like need to communicate about. We need to live together next. We need to get married next. We need to have a baby next, right. whatever, you know? Right. But I think that by nature, and this is funny because it kind of flips what, the, the 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 next most common question is that I feel like I get and you probably agree with like how is this gonna last long term? Yeah, like right? how, like people just always assume like I've told my coworkers that I was in a relationship and then I and then later on I would tell them that I was actually moving to Philly to like move in with this person. They're like, what? I thought that you weren't in a serious relationship. Like, no, like, that's what? not what that means. <laughs> you listen, whoever is listening to this podcast, and I know that some of you fuckers that are my friends have done this to me. <laughs> whoever is listening to this podcast. 
do not assume that someone's relationship isn't quote unquote serious because they are non-monogamous. Yeah. That I think is a really, really big pet peeve of mine. Really? Yeah. I hate it. Yeah. I hate it. <laughs> because when I was like, especially like when we first started dating and I was thinking like, oh yeah, we're not when I was like, oh, so it's a casual thing. Yeah. I'm like, no, it's not a casual. Look, we're dating each other. Like it's ser- I see each other. Th- I see her three times a week. Yeah. You know? Um, so just a PSA. <laughs> that like that like that specifically pisses me off so it kind of flips the question of like what is going to happen long term on its head because that is a question that comes from the script right yeah it's someone saying like looking at you and being like well this is the script that i've been fed my whole life how are you going to fit your lifestyle into that script mm-hmm. right and then i always respond with some version of well that's not the script for me yeah. That's not what I want. Or you right? can write the script. Like, you or shouldn't you have a script, script, right? right? It gives you the empowerment to decide what you actually want as opposed to just eating whatever society feeds you. Yes. So, and this is a good question for you, Isabel. Do you see non-monogamy as, like, a permanent stay in your future? Or well, is it, or do you think that when you eventually do move back in with your partner, that's going to go away? Well, I do think that the reason why I can see it as being a long-term thing is because we don't buy into those other things, right? Like marriage and like having kids and stuff like that. Right. Asher does want kids and I don't. Right. But because I mean, he's, he has two moms, right? So he's already bought into alternative family structures, right? Sure. So like we could totally be down with like him co-parenting with another person, like maybe his best friend and right. like being totally cool with that. Yeah. You know, and for me, whenever someone asks me that, uh, you know, I to me, there's a very plausible reality where, you know, me and my current partner or, you know, some other serious partner maybe like get married for some utility purpose, like for to be able to adopt a kid. For example, it's mm. a lot easier to adopt a kid if you're married. Yeah. Whilst sustaining some kind of non-monogamous, non-monogamous component to that marriage. Right. You know, and when I tell a lot of people that it's like their head explodes again. Why? Because they're like, like a non-monogamous marriage, like a non-monogamous, that's not marriage, you know, like, mm-hmm. but it is marriage. It's literally like, it's a, it's a piece of paper. That's what marriage is. Right? Yeah. But it does seem like intrinsic in being like living like a non-monogamous lifestyle is this sort of acceptance that like, just like a sort of, or maybe I should say a skepticism of the script. Do you think that that's just almost inherent? Like if you're buying into this lifestyle, then you must also buy into the idea that the script is not ubiquitous? I mean, I do think so to some degree, right? Because if you are, you're already like trying in doing this, trying to rip apart the script, right? Right. But that doesn't mean that you can't like take things from the script because, you know, maybe you were brought up to, you know, really want kids and have this very like idyllic marriage, whatever, like, you know, lifestyle. I think the thing that's empowering about it is being able to decide it's an opt it's an opt in as opposed to an opt out. Yeah. And uh, yeah. So I think I would agree like the power and non-monogamy comes from like really choosing everything, like choosing like how are you going to move forward with this person, whatever, 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 as opposed to, yeah, following down a path that was already made for you. But that being said, logistically, it can be challenging, right? Like totally. And I think, like, like I said, that's the like. If someone said to me, so no one's ever said this to me, by the way. But if someone said to me, "I am not non-monogamous because it would, I just don't have time to date more than one person." <laughs> yeah, I would say bet. 
Because that makes a lot of sense. Because when I was dating two people, it was hard. Yeah. You know, like limited time. That's for sure. And I think that a lot of other non-monogamous people also probably think this way. Like a second or third partner, if you're not all part of like a single triad, or a best second partner for me would be someone else that was also poly and had a different primary partner. Yeah. And we're... Like was express was expressly okay because then everyone has their person and no one's yeah. like left out. Yeah, and like and you know like me and like time with the second person would like be dope and like limited, but like dope in that way. Right. And like that's the expectation. You right. Know? Right. Like maybe her and I link up like once a month or once every other week or whatever. Yeah. In that time, but like we like my idea is my ideal is like we really enjoy each other. And you can just get different things from different people, yeah. right? That's the whole premise of it. Is that like and I hate to sound too utilitarian about this, but that is I mean like I think this is a utilitarian it is, thing though. It is because there's no thing. because there's no losers. If you just take sex, for example, right? Like I feel like it's really rare to actually find two people who are like a hundred percent sexually compatible. No one wants anything outside of what the other person wants, and yeah, vice especially versa, over right? time. Oh like, yeah, especially over you know because so much of what is is exciting, and that's like really this paradoxical thing about romance is that you want you know uncertainty, you want danger, you want novelty, right? That's yeah. what we find sexy, but. But, you know, but what makes stable relationships is like safety yeah. and a like lot of a lot comfort. of not sexy things. Exactly. Safety, comfort, like, you know, a, a warm place to sleep at night. You know, like, yeah. like <laughs> a lot of people feel like then that they have to choose. Right. And, you know, which is like where this narrative of like we're married for a long time yeah. and don't fuck anymore. That's where right. that comes from. Exactly. You know. Right. But that's like, I mean, maybe it's maybe people just consider this to be like friv like frivolous and hedonistic but i do think that's like a pr also a pretty big need and you know you don't have here's to thing, just suffer right and yeah. not have it here's the thing though i really another thing that i dislike is this idea that like being non-monogamous from a purely like hedonistic standpoint is like less valid i don't think that at all yeah you know i think it's like so valid that if you just want to have a lot of fucking sex mm-hmm like that's fine, you yeah. know, and like that's just like it's 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 all part of like the taboo of monogamy or the taboo of non-monogamy and like the taboo of like not living on the script that like shame is cast upon this idea of just wanting to have a lot of sex. Yeah, I have one friend who's like into BDSM and like you know their partner's not, and I'm just like, well, that seems like a perfect use case for this. Uh, Absolutely, like if right? you have a <laughs> if you have a niche fetish that your main partner's not into. Mm -hmm then you should definitely be polyamorous. <laughs> you should definitely, because that's just something that your partner's never, that's a need that your partner's never going to meet. Yeah, exactly. But I'm curious, like what, there's definitely like all of these hurdles that come down the road, right? Like and what? I have a bunch of them, but I'm curious if you have any th similar things. So for example, both Asher and I have hooked up with our exes. Like while you've been with each other? While we've been with each other. In our cases, it's been totally fine and totally healthy, but that's like an example of one thing that like people will be like, what? Like that would be totally taboo. And like it can be taboo for even people in yeah. whatever open relationships. Um, but the, the only time it's actually been like a real hurdle, right? Where I had like, you know, there's, I think there's when there's like an asymmetry, right? So for example, my partner just hooks up with his friends and I don't feel as comfortable hooking up with like people who are already my friends. So I typically will hook up with people who I don't know already. And because I'm not someone who like likes to drink or goes out to bars or does like the typical like watering hole activities, it can be like harder for me to find sex partners than for him. Right. And right. so like, those are, those are like an example of like, a, like legitimate asymmetries and like issues that you just for sure work through. Right. Yeah. And I do think that like for 
like a small period of time. My partner and I actually both found other people to date at very similar points in time last year. Yeah. And then the person that she was dating and her, they broke up, I'd say maybe two or three months before the person that I was dating and I broke up. And then they like really are like, you know. Oh. And that, and I de- like, I do think that like that, that asymmetry was definitely a thing. Yeah. Right? It was definitely a thing that could be felt. Right. But, and, and like, and it, you know, never in like a, in a toxic way, she was always supportive, but yeah. like, you know, it, di- it didn't feel good for me to, you know, if I ever did have to tell her like, oh, sorry, I, I can't hang out today. I'm actually hanging out with this person this day. Yeah. You know? Not like that. I don't think that's ever going to feel good. I do think that because it's not this like, you know, happy, like just like land of everlasting love and there are hurdles that actually like makes your relationship stronger and better because you have to work through these things. I wholeheartedly agree. I think that like if you because if you want to do non-monogamy correctly and have it not blow up in your face, you have to communicate aggressively. with. And you have to just like have challenges. Yes. And and you will run into challenges and you have to work through that. Maybe this is a good segue because I do hear of a lot of people just doing things that they like call like non-monogamy or polyamory, but it's actually just horseshit. Like what? Like I've, I've seen more than once this idea that like someone is like, I'm still into this one person. Like maybe my ex, I'm still into my ex. Do you want to be poly so I can go fuck my ex? Hmm you know yeah and that like that like i've heard that and like to me that's sketchy yeah um because you because it's not like you don't want the lifestyle you just want to be able to have sex with this one other person right right which like obviously like you and i would be fine with but it seems like there's just some other like ulterior motives there well i think it's also the kind of thing that is also just something that you can only do if you're a really self-confident person i think if you're always concerned Right. If you're really insecure about the fact like, oh, like, is my partner like more attractive to other people than me? Like, am am, am I like, you know, are they going to yeah, be able to find someone? You can't someone? really be caught up with that kind of stuff. Right. Exactly. Right. That I think is a really big hurdle to non-monogamy is like always feeling insecure about your relationship with your partner because they can go and like, right. you know, have relationships with other people. Right. Yeah. And I do think that, yeah, that's still something that like I would struggle with or my partner would struggle with. But I think that that's where you were talking about like where like we create systems of like reassurance for mm-hmm. that for that purpose you because know? it's also something that could legitimately happen yeah there I mean, is like, a very feasible possibility that they could go find someone who's like better than you or more compatible with them or whatever but i think that you know the saving grace then is that like well good thing that you're polyamorous so that you know that they're not going to break up with you to be with this person mm-hmm. you know yeah like good thing that you get to keep this person in your life <laughs> because because if you were monogamous and this, the same thing happened, they would just fucking end up breaking up with you or cheating on you or something even worse. Because I do think a lot of it's just so much about like not keeping this person like close to the chest and like in a cage. I think people just generally react better when they're free. And this right? is also, I think, a really gendered issue, right? Because like historically, men have always been able to go have affairs. That's without God, consequences. Sure. Yeah. So I also think it's probably like this whole thing is becoming more of a of like popular also just because of feminism yeah like you don't have to be attached to one man exactly that's why polygyny is a thing and like whatever yeah. the female equivalent is not a thing <laughs> it's not there's no there's right? no female equivalent because it's never been a society in which that's the case exactly <laughs> <laughs> yeah but i think that's valid though yeah i think we should wrap up somehow <laughs> wrap up how do you wrap up this conversation i don't know i so here's, here's one thing that i actually do want to do more and it's that so I have people, and you probably have the same way. I have people in my personal life often like come up to me and want to talk to me about things that we talk about on the podcast or like 
or like, you know, like want to like shoot me an email or like write me a text or something. But if you have a question, throw it like in a comment on our, like on one of our Instagram posts or like email. I'm the villain podcast at Gmail. Is that our, is that our? Yep. No, no, no. It's I'm the villain pod. Yeah. Or email. I'm the villain pod at Gmail or, and you know, maybe we'll like answer the question on air or something. Cause I feel like I've had people that want to like continue the discussion um, that we've had, especially with the Rachel Dolezal episode. Yeah. You know, people are like, well, you didn't say this. And I'm like, well, we were talking for an hour and a half and you could talk <laughs> on this for 10 hours, you know? <laughs> yeah. And we have, and we cut things out. Yeah. I also, yes, people have like asked me about things that like, I know we said that just didn't make the final cut. But if you have like questions or comments or whatever, like feel free to share them on like one of our public forums or like, or email them to us. I feel like people often have a lot of questions specifically about non-monogamy. Yeah. So you have two. Is this going to turn into a deer sugar? That'd be amazing. (laughs) You have two non-monogamous hosts. Um, So like ask us questions um, and I will happily guide you into a happier life of (laughs) (laughs) non-monogamy. Dude, I'm so tired. (laughs) I'm so tired of people telling me that, well, you know, even if, I had the choice. I think I would still be monogamous. No, you fucking wouldn't, dude. <laughs> you wouldn't. Like, if you weren't raised to be monogamous, you would not be monogamous. It's mm-hmm. just clearly the worst option. Clearly. Like, once you get past, like, the... I think literally the only value is having a, quote-unquote, like, stable family structure so that you can found... Like, I think it's just, like, a church thing of, like, how yeah, can we it's, order it's society well? it's all rooted in, like, religion and capitalism. Yeah. Yeah. That's all it like religion and capitalism are what monogamy are rooted in. Mm-hmm. And we as a society, or at least as a generation, are not really fucking with capitalism that much. Mm-hmm. And Loki are not really fucking with religion that much. <laughs> <laughs> so um yeah, I just <laughs> obviously exaggerated, but I just wholeheartedly think that like if you weren't raised with monogamy and you were ra- people were actually raised to do whatever they want as it related to romance, very few people would choose to be monogamous. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, if you want to fight us, you can come on the podcast. and Oh, uh, yeah, come on the podcast. Tell us what we're on, dude. So look, man, it's been a hell of a season. Yeah. I mean, we have had some amazing guests. Hold on. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) It has been a hell of a season. Um, I've had a really good time. And we've talked to some really cool people. Yeah, dude. So if you have been a guest on this pod, like big shouts out to you. Um, Thank you so much for coming on. Yeah, we really, really appreciate it. Really appreciate it. If you've been listening to this podcast for this season, yo, Big ups to you, right? <laughs> like, we <laughs> we have not um, made it big yet, but we will. No, I don't know. We might not. But uh, we. I think it's just been really cool to, like, interact with people in real life about things that I say on this platform. Well, I don't know. Maybe we wouldn't, by the time, you know, people in 10 years are listening to this episode, we will have made it big. So yeah, I don't know if you can that's say true. that. Fair enough. <laughs> um, so, just like the last season, we're going to take one theft. We'll be back in December, right in time for the holidays. So, hey. as you're on the train home, on the plane home, yeah, you know, you got more, some good listening have content. More villain. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you have more villainy in your fucking ears. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> turn the fucking pot up. Yeah. And um, yo, if you have someone, even if it's not you, if you have someone that you want to recommend that you think would be a good candidate for the show, like shoot us an email because, you know, if especially if they're, I mean, they kind of have to be in the DC DMV area. Yeah, but. or willing to travel. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, yeah, I'm like, I'm generally down to talk to anybody. I think that I've had more than one person be like, yo, you should have me on your podcast. I'm like, dude, come up. Yeah. Like, we'll have you on our podcast. Yeah, but, we will. Yeah, I think that we're going to spend um, our month off. It's not really going to be a month off because we're going to be still trying to, like, be We're going to be, like, heavily and, recording the whole time because no one's around in December. Yeah. <laughs> we're trying to, like, get a little backlog going to prepare for that. But, yeah, so we'll be off for a month. Um, and then we'll be right back with season three, first week of December. And I'm excited. And, yeah, it's fucking lit, dude. Keep listening and keep sharing this podcast while we're off. You're going to see me on the instagram going crazy yeah you got a month to go through the backlog yeah you missed anything if you have not listened to the backlog and like are missing that foundation like go back dude what are you doing <laughs> 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 listen to that richard Dole's episode it's fucking fire yo if you have not rated us five stars on apple podcast yet go do that we only have two months to make the new and noteworthy yeah list. go do that <laughs> go do that right now we have at this t- at the time of recording this 13 reviews and thank you all that reviewed us <laughs> but also just share with your friends yeah 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 let us know yeah okay bye <laughs>